0: Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we stand together and bless the Lord and thank Him. Amen. Is He worthy today? Hallelujah. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Are you glad to be joining us online today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Psalm 123, please. We're going to take a look at what the... Word of the Lord says to us today from this psalm, amen, amen. I was talking to someone earlier and a thunderclap took place and was like, man, the Lord is confirming and applauding what we're talking about. Was like, yes. So he might say amen every once in a while with a thunderclap today, So, and you can join him if you want. <laughs> psalm 123, verse 1. excuse me, unto thee I lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. By the way, this is another of the Song of Degrees. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. This morning, with the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach on this thought, earnest expectation. Let's pray together. Father, let the living word today preach the written word and make my tongue the pen of a ready writer inscribing your words upon our hearts that we might apply them and obey them, Lord. Open our understanding that we might comprehend the Scripture, cause every hindrance to be rebuked, to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we pray all of this in the matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you believe it, would you say amen? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Earnest expectation. The historical setting for Psalm 123 is a time when Israel was plagued by persecution even though it is a song of degree or song of ascent it reminded Israel where God brought them from Psalm 123 reveals what it feels like to be scorned and treated with contempt in just four short verses the psalmist highlights The difficulties that Israel faced from those who hated her. You know, you could actually read this psalm today, and it would still make sense today in current Israel. Not much has changed. Israel is still one of the most hated nations on earth. Possibly the only other nation hated more might be the United States of America, And the only other group of people that's possibly hated even more than that are Christians. According to references I studied this week, more Christians were martyred in the 20th century than in all previous centuries combined. These reports also indicate that with the persecution already taking place in the 21st century, the first 20-some years, it is on course to even be more than the 20th century. This then can bring a comparison for the born-again believer to Psalm 123. We too are frustrated with the scorn and the contempt of this world while earnestly expecting the soon coming of Jesus Christ. The psalmist was looking to get to Israel, to get to Jerusalem. And it's possible that he was away from. It may have been written during a time of exile. It may have been written at a time when uh, Israel had been attacked and Jerusalem was under siege and he wanted peace restored. You and I know that the family is under siege and God and His Word are under attack constantly from our world and and marriage as we know it and identity in absolutes are, are all being attacked and yet we earnestly expect the coming of Jesus Christ. You see, the historical aspect of the psalm is for Jerusalem But like Psalm 122, the prophetical aspect is to look ahead to the soon and second coming of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, a few weeks ago, Pastor Trevor, our admin pastor, preached about Abraham or Abram. He was still Abram at the time from Genesis uh, chapter 12. And I think into 13 a little bit and, and, and share with us some things that the Lord had, had revealed to him. And I got to thinking about that as I looked a little bit deeper that day. That one of the first things that God told Abram to do after he was separated from Lot was to look up. Genesis 13 verses 14 through 16 say, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where there are out northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it. thy seed forever and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth then shall thy seed also be numbered. And by the way just to clarify Abram is not being told that a Jewish people will be this kind of a number but that the church will be this kind of a number because God said I'll make you the father of many nations plural which mean all ethnicities all cultures of people. And so he was looking in every direction and God was saying, as far as you can see, and and if you can number the, the, the dust, if you can number that, then that's how many you're going to have. Amen. Somebody say, look up. Can I tell you that when we see the problems of this world, we need to get our eyes off of that and start looking up. Amen. Soon and very soon, we're going to fulfill Luke 21, 28, which says lift up your eyes and look up for your redemption draws nigh. Amen. But in the meantime, we can look up and see fields that are white all ready to harvest. Hallelujah. We can look up to God for our help. Amen. Because we know from Him our help and our strength comes because he's the maker of heaven and earth somebody say look up up. hallelujah hallelujah we can look up but God didn't stop there in verse 17 of the same chapter in Genesis he tells Abram to get up amen arise walk through the land and the length and the breadth of it for I will give it unto thee. turn to your neighbor and say get up now, if they didn't stand up right then, they didn't obey. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Amen. Get up. You don't just look up. You, you get up. In other words, you act on the Word of God. Can I say this? If, if, if you're not praying, then get up and start praying. If, if you're not denying yourself and taking up your cross daily and following Jesus, then get up and do those things. It's time for the church to not just look up, but to get up. Hallelujah. Well, I'm happy to tell you it doesn't end there either. Because after all this, it was time to worship. All right, that, that's, the, that's the, you know, southern way of saying it, worship. Amen. You, know, you ever notice down south they wash their clothes? It's like, you're doing what, dear? What? You know? Or if you go north, they pack their kai, you know, way up in the east, you know, and, downstairs and all this you know people talk funny don't they amen but so he looked up he got up and then he built an altar to worship amen Look at verse 18, then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Can I tell you, when you look up and you see the need of the world and you get up and you act on it, it's going to compel you to worship God because He's worthy of the praise. Hallelujah. And God is calling His church to true worship. In John chapter 4, Jesus says that, that we must worship him in spirit and in truth. He tells the woman at the well something very interesting. He tells her that on this mountain, Samaria, and neither on the mountain in Jerusalem is where worship is going to take place. What he was saying was, I've come to fulfill all the law and the prophets. It ain't about a temple in Jerusalem, and ain't about the way you worship me here. It's gonna be in spirit and in truth. And Brother Chris Kahn told me on Wednesday. He said, "What's interesting is uh, uh, spirit connected to uh, Samaria. They had spirit, and Jerusalem had truth. And he's saying it's not one or the other. It's both and spirit and truth. Amen." So, how does this relate to Psalm one twenty-three? Well. Psalm 123 presents some of these same aspects of looking up and getting up and giving God true worship. Turn to someone and say, look up, up. get up, up. and worship. Now, worship. So when we start second half, we're not going to praise and worship, we're going to worship. Hallelujah. (laughs) I mean, after all, this is a song of ascent, right? Going up. You remember the first lesson on this? They went up everywhere you go, anywhere, from any direction you go up into Jerusalem. We're going to go up into the presence of God today. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. In Psalm 123, verse 1, the psalmist opens by saying, unto thee, speaking of God, unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. You see what he did? He took his eyes off of what was going on and lifted them up to God. As long as we keep our eyes focused on this world, we're going to get discouraged, depressed, despondent. We're going to feel hopeless. But if we'll lift them up and look to God, amen, there's strength there's hope, there's peace, there's joy that comes, amen. And he says, Oh, thou that dwellest in the heavens. This does not mean that God doesn't dwell on earth as well. We know he fills all time and space. What it's referring to is that God's throne is in the heavens. The Bible says his uh, heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool, amen. Now, the thrones of this earth. And at this time, for the psalmist, were evil and godless. Even those in Israel and in Judah, they were godless. Only eight out of 43 kings loved and served God wholeheartedly and faithfully. That means the vast majority of them did not. They built idols and served false gods and led Israel into sin Time and again. Amen. And so their thrones were evil and godless. And and many of them abdicated their thrones in many ways. Some of them were assassinated. But can I tell you, you can never assassinate God. And He'll never abdicate His throne. And He'll never be evil and godless. Hallelujah. He reigns supreme. He rules sovereignly. And He will never stoop to the level of man and be bribed or bought. Just because God doesn't answer the way we think He should or in our timing doesn't mean that He doesn't care. God rules and reigns supreme and He loves and He cares. When you're overwhelmed, there's only one place to look, and it's not around, it's up. Mm. You've seen me give you this illustration before, but I'm going to do it again. It bears repeating. So many times, we get our eyes off of God. Do you know that's when Peter sank? When he took his eyes off Jesus. You want to know why Peter uh, denied Jesus? The Bible says he followed him afar off. He was a long ways away from him. Now, I know it was prophesied that he would do that. And so, yes, he fulfilled prophecy, but it's because his heart was following from afar off. The further you get from God, hmm, mm. So, So let me explain it this way. It's not a denial of the problem to look up. This is not some Zig Ziglar mind over matter, you know, pop psychology today. This is Bible. Looking up, lifting up your eyes is not saying there's not a problem. Let me explain it this way. Let's imagine that the pulpit is my destiny, my goal, my hope. It's what I need to get to. It's, it's who I need to be in Christ. It's how I need to identify myself. It's, it's ultimately heaven one day, right? It's all of those things. So does that make sense? Everybody with me? Let's imagine that all these empty blue chairs around me are problems and issues and the world is going nuts and crazy. If I keep my eyes focused on the goal, on Jesus, on His Word, I can see these blue chairs in my peripheral, but my eyes are focused on Him. But if I turn and begin to look at a problem, if I turn and begin to look at a situation, I'm no longer focused on that. And guess where I'm going to wind up going? I'm going to start going in the direction that I'm looking. And so what the psalmist was saying was, unto you I lift up my eyes. Unto you I'm going to look. This world is messed up. The kings are messed up. He, he might have been saying, these kings are, are, are falsely serving you and, and they're building idols and, and they're doing these things. So I'm going to look above them to the king of kings. I'm going to look above them, above the problems, above the issues. It's not a denial of the problem. It's not like the stick your head in the sand type of, no, it's saying, I'm going to look to the one and the only one who can deal with the problem. And can I tell you, the church of Jesus Christ is where the answer is for the world we're living today. I've heard people say, it's a God forsaken world. It's a world that's forsaken God. He ain't forsaken the world because if we'll stand up as the lights in this world, if we'll stand up, amen, for His Word and His truth, we'll let people know there's a better way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You don't have to be divided. You don't have to listen to the politicians. You don't have to listen to the pundits. You don't have to listen to the, to the radio hosts and, and get all divided and bent out of shape. You can read the Word of God. You can look up to Him and be united and show this world there is a better way. When you're overwhelmed, boy, one place to look. In another psalm, I think it's Psalm 61, that psalmist said, When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I've been in a few valleys before, you don't see very far. I was in the valley of Megiddo in 2018. In the valley, You could see a little bit you couldn't see very far but when we got on top of Mount Carmel which is one of the four mountains that surround the valley of Megiddo I could see a long way Mm. anybody ever been to like a lookout tower or 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 some kind of high rise building maybe or something and right Uh down on on this level you can't see much but when you get higher Oh, that's why we need to go to God when we're overwhelmed. You know, I wonder if we don't witness more miracles in the United States of America because we have other options. We've let the American dream erode apostolic vision. See, if we need a loan, we have options. Why then do we need God to be our provider? If we're sick, we have options. Why would we need him to be our healer? If we're wrongfully accused and taken to court, we have options. Why do we need him to be our advocate? But while we may have options in our first world country, the psalmist did not. His only option was to look up in faith God his only hope was that God would rule from his throne in the heavens and let me say it this way when God is all you have God is all you need but as long as you got options it's a check mark I'm here on Sunday check mark I'll be back on Wednesday check mark I read a couple verses check mark Meanwhile, there are people that don't even have a Bible that, that, would, that would kill to get it and be killed if they did get it. Oh, Lord have mercy. Just because we're spoiled with options doesn't make it right. I don't only look to God when I'm faced with difficult circumstances. He's not a little bobblehead on my dashboard that, oh, I need Jesus all of a sudden. He's not a genie in my bottle that I can go rub and hopefully get three wishes. And he's not even like a vending machine. Put my little prayer in, E5, and pull out my miracle. Uh Uh-uh. I don't only want to go to God when I've exhausted other options. Instead, I want to seek him first and his righteousness. I'm not opposed to banks or hospitals or attorneys or any of those other things, but I'm going to go to God first. I'll never forget the day I had preached something like this and a person was sick and they said before I go to the hospital I want to stop by the church first. I said sure, stop on by. I'll pray for you. The Bible does say call for the elders of the church, have them lay hands upon you and pray the prayer of faith. I mean, do we believe it or not? We believe it, but we have options. The psalmist didn't have an option. He could only look to God. Ah uh, Notice something else. The psalmist didn't try to figure things out on his own. He didn't strategize strategize a plan of action to overthrow his oppressors or or to cause a political coup and assassinate the king. Instead, he, he did not take matters in his own hands. Instead, he lifted up his eyes to God who dwells in heavens and said, God, I need you to rule in this situation. I need you to take care of this circumstance. He would have known what David wrote in Psalm 11, verse 4, that the Lord is in his holy temple and the Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try, the children of men. He would have known what was written by the sons of Korah in Psalm 47, verse 8, that God reigneth over the heathen and setteth upon his throne of holiness. He would have known what David declared in Psalm 103, 19, that the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruled. Ruleth over all therefore he said I'm going to the only one who can deal with the situation don't look around at the problems look up don't look back at your past look up don't look to the left or to the right look up where God rules and reigns besides Isaiah prophesies that his ways and thoughts are higher than ours amen Isaiah further prophesies that when he sends forth his word, it will not return to him void, but will accomplish what he has sent it to do. That's, by the way, Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. Not only did he look up, he looked to God's hand. Verse 2 of Psalm 123, Behold, as the eyes of the servants look under the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden under the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. The reason that the psalmist was looking to God's hand was because that's where direction, provision, and protection came from. See, he didn't have other options. God was his only option. The servants that he referred to would look to their masters to direct them in their duties. Go do this. Go do that. Their, their hand literally would would you know point out to them and it, it was a it was a sign of saying, you know, I've hereby authorized you to go and do and, and whatever. And so they would they would look to that. Amen. But it also was where they received the equipping and the instruction to complete their task. From their master's hand, when it was payday, came their provision and supplied them so they would be sustained. Mm-mm. When danger arose, their master, amen, with his hand would wield weapons to protect them. This is why the psalmist looked to God's hand. Hallelujah. This also means that he recognized the greatest thing he could become, the greatest thing he could attain was to be a faithful servant of God. You know, of all the titles, of all the accolades, of all the things that we're called today, brother, sister, bishop, this, that, the other thing, did you know the one I'm really striving for is to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant? And the psalmist recognized, I'm the servant, he's the master. And consider the progression so far. The psalmist realizes that from his vantage point, he's limited. So he lifts his eyes to the illimitable nature of who God is. Next he realizes that since his, God's perspective is higher and his thoughts are holier, then he can trust God to give him direction to point him in the way he should go. He also realizes that from God's hand will come his provision and his protection as he deals with the contempt and scorn of his enemies. And the same is true for us today. Stop Looking to yourself for the answer. Stop looking to education or some other thing for the answer. Look to God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Look up to His throne and look to His hands. Let me, let me say it this way. Is God's hand indicating to wait? Then wait. Wait. And by the way, wait doesn't mean that you pull out your watch and you look at it and you tap it and you, you know, roll your eyes and say, come on, God, you ain't here yet. That's not what wait means. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait means to serve. Here's what it means. It it means I'm I'm the waiter. How can I help you today? What can I take for your order today? Would you? Okay, I'll be right back. Yes, sir. Amen. Can I refresh that drink for you, sir? Yeah, let me fill that up. Oh, you need a drink? How about a double for you, Minister Kennedy? Mm Mm-hmm. In other words it means to keep on doing what you already know to do oh you're gonna like this you know you know who mantles fall on workers there were a bunch of sons of prophets waiting for Elijah to die but the mantle didn't fall on them The mantle fell on one that was plowing with the 12th yoke of oxen of his daddy's oxen. If you'll just keep working, if you'll just keep waiting, God has a perfect plan and when the time is right, the mantle's going to fall on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So look up. Lift up your eyes to God. Look to his hand. If he's saying, wait, wait. God's denials... Or God's delays rather are not God's denials. He knows better. His vantage point is a lot clearer. Proverbs 3 5 and 6, the New Living Translation says it this way. Trust in the Lord with most of your heart. Sometimes depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in about 90% of what you do. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I gotta just a minute here. There we go. Let me clean my glasses here. Let me try that again. Okay. Um, trust in the Lord with, wow, all your heart. Look at that. Hmm. Do not depend on your own understanding. Hmm. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Amen. You know, Peter in 1 Peter 5 7 said to cast all your cares on him, for he cares. For you look to his throne look to his hand cast all your cares on him trust him with all your heart and let him lead guide and direct you in the final two verses we see that the psalmist looked to the mercy and grace of God verse 3 have mercy upon us O Lord have mercy upon us for we are exceedingly filled with contempt our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt Of the proud. If you notice something here, you'll notice that verse one, it was I. Unto thee lift I up mine eyes. It was personal, it was individual. But in verses two, three, and four, it's us and our. This indicates that the psalmist begins to speak for others. He knows he's not alone. He knows he's not the only one that's been scorned, persecuted, tempted, and feels the contempt of others. And so they've banded together and united together, and he becomes the spokesperson to say, I'm going to talk to God on our behalf. Maybe he was their pastor. I don't know the whole story. I don't know the whole history. But it went from I to us. And can I tell you, you're not alone. Oh, listen, somebody needs to hear this in the Holy Ghost. You're not alone. Let me pause here and remind you in the Holy Ghost to Satan of God that you are not alone. It's a lie of the enemy to get you to believe that you're the only one suffering, that you're the only one discouraged, that you're the only one distressed and depressed. Amen. Satan wants to isolate you from God and his church because he knows that's where you find strength. So don't be deceived by his lies. Stay connected to God and his church you are not alone because God said I will never leave you nor forsake you another psalmist said if I make my bed in hell he's there can I tell you God's with you in trouble God's with you on the mountaintop God's with you in the rainstorm God's with you when the sun shines yay hallelujah hallelujah And God designed His church to love and care. You see, it's like this, Shannon. Come here, babe. I wish I'd have learned this back when we first got married, but I didn't. I'm glad I've learned it now to help other couples. The Bible in the New Testament says that I am the Christ figure in our marriage. I am to love her as he loved his church and gave himself up for it. She is the church figure, not just submitting unto Christ, but in loving and nurturing our children. Hmm. We know Jesus loves us, but do we know the church loves us? Now, growing up, when our kids were growing up, and they would fall and scuff their knee or bruise something, I don't recall one time that they yelled for daddy. Because <laughs> no. dad would have said, yeah, put a bandaid on, you'll be fine. Right? But mom, oh no, mom, she's going to, mm, let me kiss it, honey, you <laughs> feel better. And, and mommy's kisses can just make it go away. Daddy's kisses, it's like, Dad, what are you doing? You know, stop, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, Dad can fix anything. You break your Barbie doll, Dad can fix it, you know, because he's, you know, almighty, I suppose. But, but, you know, right? The first, watch this, the reason marriage is under attack is the first place your neighbors, your children, your co-workers are going to see Christ in the church aren't in the church. Right. It's right. in the marriage. Right. So, so can I just say something to husbands? If you're talking down to your wife, don't be talking up to me about God. And wives, if you ain't respecting your husband, don't you dare be talking to me about how much you talk in tongues in the church. I could care less. Because you're going to see Christ in the church right here in the home. We don't need another politician giving us some empty answers. We need some families to rise up and say, I'm going to be the man of God. I'm going to be the woman of God in my home. Thank you. Here, here's the problem. We complain because there's no prayer in school. Is there a prayer in your home? We complain because, you know, well, they're going to take the Pledge of Allegiance out and they're not going to pray over, over the Senate anymore and all this other stuff. Are you praying? Are you pledging your allegiance to the Word of God? Quit pointing the fingers at government. I'm going to tell you why the the world is in the place it is. is because we've got some weak-kneed, spineless preachers that don't want to preach the truth and some churches that are lapping it up and throwing their money at it. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling my Wheaties today. I don't know what I had for breakfast, but honey, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. If we're going to change this world, it's going to be one prayer at a time. It's going to be one moment at a time where we get in alignment with the Word of God. Boy, I wish all that was in my notes, but it ain't. Mm. You're not alone. And so let me say this to the church. We know Jesus loves us. He's the husband, the figure in that marriage. But does the church love us? It is not my job to look around and say, oh, who's not here today? I will do it because I love people. But guess whose job it is? The church. And when the church cares, Hmm. Hmm. we know God cares, but does his church? You know, when we had our testimonies, week after week, I would hear people say to me, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one who'd experienced that. You know what that told me? You are not alone. We are the body of Christ. A few years ago, and I don't remember the group that, that wrote it, but a few years ago a song came out said, "If we are the body, why aren't his hands reaching, touching? You? Some of you are familiar with the song. I know it's first half. I know we typically don't have an altar call in first half, but I feel compelled to the Holy Ghost today to pray one for another. So many times we come in, and it's this. Hey, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Praise the Lord. God's good. And meanwhile, inside, yeah. there's hurt. There's, there's a need for something. And, and we want to be, you know, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm doing good. God's good. Hallelujah. But really, there's something there that needs God to touch. And, and guess who his hands are? We are. I wonder today, as we bring this, we got about four minutes, as we bring first half to a close, I wonder today, could you begin to just worship Him? You can stay seated if you want, you can stand, but just begin to worship Him. And as we begin to worship Him, here's what I wonder. Maybe God's asking you to go pray with somebody. Maybe God's asking you to go sit next to someone and just say, brother, sister, I'm here for you. Amen. I'm with you through this. If you feel it, just just move in the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's pray one for Let's be the body of Christ one to another. The enemy wants to isolate us. He wants us to feel alone, but God is saying, you're not alone. Not only am I here for you, but my church is here for you. Come on, let's pray. Let's not just let this be a 15-second thing. No, come on, let's really pray. Let's really earnestly reach up and out to God. Come on. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I declare your love upon your people. I declare your strength upon your people. I declare, oh God, your mercy right now. Lord, use us to minister one to another, your mercy, your truth, your love, your kindness, your grace. God, burden us with the needs of our brothers and sisters. Let us be moved with compassion one for another right now in the name of Jesus. Let us pray for those who are not here. Let us pray for those who are joining us online. Let us pray for those, God, who will listen later in the archives, Oh God. We pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus, that you would move, that you would minister, that through your church, you would minister to your church. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm earnestly looking up to you. I'm earnestly expecting you to show up, Lord, to perform your work, to minister, oh God. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. That's it. Some of you are moving around. Let the Holy Ghost right now touch you. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Maybe there's somebody not here that you're burdened for. Go go stand by an empty chair and pray as if they were there right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, unite us, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. (sighs) Mm. Russ and Tori Taff wrote this song many years ago. It just simply says, you're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. I don't know the inspiration that they have for the song, but the Bible does tell us that two are better than one. And a threefold chord is not too quickly broken. If the enemy can isolate us and, and get us alone, Minister Kennedy, he can attack us. But but if there's a brother, come here, brother. If there's a brother connected, just, just put your arm around him. If there's two, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. And, and if there's three, well, it ain't going to be too quickly broken. It, I, I then wonder, Pastor Trevor, what happens when it's four. Come on. I wonder what happens if the devil sees four of them. He's like, okay, I got to leave them alone. There's some unity going on. there. Mm, There's some power going on through the prayer of unity. Come on. I wonder if you could understand what the Holy Ghost is saying to the church today. I wonder if you could realize uh, that the earnest expectation is that we will be who he's called us to be. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Stand to your feet with me. We're getting ready to go out of our first half into our second half, have a little bit of a break. But I wonder one more time if we could sing that song. you mm, you're my brother, you're my sister. So take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe can defeat us. When we're walking side by side, as long as there is love, we will stand. I want you to think about this today as you go throughout your day and into second half. And as we begin to worship and pray and, and sing, and Pastor Lucas is going to be preaching in our second half, I just wonder if you'd let the Lord lead you. Amen. Go and pray with somebody. Maybe there's a Sunday school teacher that's coming in. You feel compelled to pray. Let's just be the church today. What do you say? During the break, you might feel to text somebody and say, hey, missed you today, praying for you and love you. Look around. Let God use you. In Jesus' name, God bless you.